chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm thrilled to have Kelly Dowdy on the show today. Kelly is the Vice President of Global Digital Commerce at Yum Brands. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating. Well, Kelly, welcome to the Something Extra Podcast. I have been looking so forward to this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for making the time to be on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited. We have so much to talk about, and I hope that we can squeeze it all in in one episode. But, you know, I always love to talk about how we're connected. And what's I was thinking about it this morning, I was thinking it's really so funny because you and I are both in CEO Forum, and we met at the annual forum last year. Last year, yeah. But you lived in St. Louis for a very yep. long time. <laughs> lived there for about three years, so I'm sure at some point our paths crossed, and we have mutual friends. I actually saw Tim Kessler was on this podcast a few months ago. He was my manager at one point. So, yep, our worlds have intersected. Our worlds have intersected, but we actually had to go to that annual forum to meet. And now you don't live in St. Louis. You live in Plano, Texas, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But just so our listeners know, we met through CEO Forum. It's always important to me to tell people how we meet because you just never know where you're going to meet people. And the thing is, is to say yes to these opportunities so that you can meet people and you never know where those relationships are going to go. But you and I, you are now part of an SLI group, which is kind of the flagship for CEO Forum. And I didn't request this, Kelly, and I'm sure you didn't request me, but we got matched up <laughs> in a mentoring uh, kind of relationship. So that's been really a lot of fun to get to know you better through that. But for our listeners, Kelly has had a very illustrious technology career. I mean, she's a tech exec now for Yum Brands, and we'll talk more about that. But Kelly, I have to ask you, growing up, how did you grow up? Where did you grow up? And then I'm really curious because you had been on this tech journey for your whole entire career. You know, what were you like as a little girl? So let's talk about that a little bit, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. So I born and raised in Western Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. 
So diehard Steelers fan, love the Pirates and the Penguins too, but that city, you bleed black and gold and you love Heinz ketchup. Those are the two like non-negotiables if you grow up in Pittsburgh. My parents, you know, my, my dad was a drill instructor in the army. My mom was the oldest of five kids, grew up on a dairy farm, really helped run the farm. And then I'm one of four kids. So I'm the second of an older sister and two younger brothers. And there, there's something about Western Pennsylvania. If you're from that area, it's just ingrained in who you are. There's a, a blue collar, roll up your sleeves kind of mentality, a grit and excellence in everything that we do. And, and that permutated throughout my parents' values and then really to us as kids kind of growing up too. Mm-hmm. Well, it explains a lot to me. Your dad was military, so was mine. That's something else you and I have in common. My dad was a Marine. And there is something about growing up, isn't there? My dad was probably one of the most disciplined people I've ever met, truly. And I love that. Well, so tell me, as a little girl, did you like math and science? I mean, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about your university experience, but was there somebody that inspired you? Did you know that you wanted to be a technologist when you were a little girl? You know, I loved problem solving. You know, math was my forte. I love problem solving. I love doing the equations. And, you know, my, my parents were very inquisitive too. And they kind of instilled that, that learning and that problem solving in me. And I remember distinctly going in middle school and high school and I did well in my classes. I, I enjoyed them, but nothing really caught my passion until freshman year of high school. I took my first kind of computer programming class and it was like, I got to solve a puzzle every time. And it, it just took me to the next level of my passion and skill set. And I, I think that coupled with just, I love people. I love people and problem solving and putting that together. Like tech is exactly what solves both of those problems and meets both of my kind of big passion areas. So that was it. After that point, I took every computer class I could. I know my mom enrolled me in community college classes to help me get the extra things, um, so on and so forth. And so, and I ended up going to um, Shadyside Academy and Fox Chapel and they really focused in on all different kinds of passion areas, one of them being STEM. Um, and there was a class I remember of 10 of us taking a programming class and I was the only female. So oftentimes I found myself the only female in the room in high school. And even when I went to Carnegie Mellon University for undergrad, I was, I think there were six of us in our graduating class of 60 in our major of information systems as an undergrad. So often found that I was that only female in the room, but absolutely love the problem solving the people aspect of technology. Yeah. Oh gosh. I, I just love the fact that you caught that bug early, right? Kelly. I mean, as a freshman in high school that you figured out, I love this problem solving. I love this. And you said something about the problem solving in people, you know, we like our tagline is improving the world by harnessing the power of technology. And I understand that more and more and more all the time about how technology truly can improve lives. You know, and I mean, there's a dark side to everything, right? And sometimes technology can be used for evil. But I mean, when you talk about what's being done in healthcare and even getting your pizzas faster, <laughs> we'll talk about that, you know? Yeah, there's something about, even still to this day, there's something about when it's launch day and you're launching a new product to the world. There's just this energy, this adrenaline rush that I still get for every new product launch, every new feature launch. There's a, 
the passion and then is it helping? Is it helping lives? Is it helping consumers? Is it helping people? That's really core of my two passion areas. Yeah, that is so awesome. Well, you know, I told you, I just read a stat. I mean, this just came out this month. 26% of the workforce in tech are women, are female. And I would dare say, and you even said this, there were six of you at Carnegie Mellon out of a class of 60. It was probably much less than that 15, 18 years ago when you started your career. And I want to talk about that because I know that you're very passionate about women in tech. And so I'd love to, we'll, we'll talk about that later and how we can inspire more young girls to get, to get interested. But, you know, going back to university, you did go to Carnegie Mellon, a very prestigious school, very prestigious school, well known for turning out top shelf technologists. And you received both your bachelor's and your master's from there. Why did you pick Carnegie Mellon? Tell me about that journey. Why did you pick them? It's a great question. Carnegie Mellon's one of the one of the best, right? It's it's top two in computer, computer science, information systems. But to be, you know, really honest, and I think this is something that I've learned in my journey as women in tech, you know, when I was first applying, my initial thought was, I'm not gonna get in. I'm not good enough. That imposter syndrome that you hear comes out. It it rained over me hard, right? And it was, well, can I even get in? Should I even apply? Um, and then it was, well, okay, I'll apply, but I probably won't get in. So I should have a whole bunch of backup schools and stuff. And that was kind of the first of my mom and my dad pushing me and saying, you can do it. And my, my high school teacher, David Shalaka, you know, pushing me, like investing in me, like, Ellie, like, you've got this, like, you've got this. You, you've always been able to learn and you're a leader and you want to excel at everything you do. And um, have a little bit more faith in yourself. And throughout my career journey, what I've what I've seen is I've had a lot of champions that have invested in me and kept telling me, no, Kelly, you can do it. So even today, you know, coming coming to Yum, um, I never worked in the restaurant industry before. There was a little bit of a, can I go do this? Can I go help this team build it out? And, you know, it was previous leaders and coaches like, Kelly, yeah, you can do this. And I got you. And, and you need to believe in yourself. And so... I think that was a, a key thing for me. And so then whenever I got in, I once again was ecstatic, but the people that go there, I mean, some of the smartest people were my peers and colleagues. And once again, that imposter syndrome came back up to me, but I had an amazing professor, Professor Hyman, who um, I still talk to today um, every year. And I try to go see him every fall, who just invested and ported me. And once again, said, Kelly, like, you've got this, you can do this. And so... You know, and he he and I share a common faith too. That's been a big foundation for me as a leader, just my faith and he shared that as well and helped me through a lot of a lot of challenging times in college when I hit those those roadblocks, so to speak. I bet you he's so proud of you, Kelly. So proud of you. And I love what you just said, you know, and I think this is important for our listeners to hear. Really close that loop and make sure you go back and tell the people who have had an impact on you the impact they've had, you know, and that doesn't always happen. But I love that. Yeah, I was going to ask you confidence and courage because it, I'm sure it did take a lot of confidence. But then you also said something else that I kind of want to hone in on. And you said your faith was so foundational. And so I know that you knew that you were not alone. And I know that I'm never alone. I know that for me, I know there's a plan. God's got a plan. He's got me. 
And what I found was surrounding myself that share a common faith that can support me through, I'm going to fail. I'm going to have setbacks getting through those things with a, with a group of leaders around me who you know, understand where we're really the most important thing to us is, our, is faith and, and being the most Christ-like leader we can be in the marketplace. I think um, I was watching a, a sermon by Andy Stanley who, who said that, and I was like, yes, that's it. Like that's the core and everything else will come after that. Yeah. It's your bigger why. Kelly, and we could probably do a whole podcast on that. Seriously, you know, it's your bigger why. And it, I've, I've realized, you know, as I've gotten older and, and certainly faith has been a really foundational part of my life as well. But as I've gotten older, it's, it's become a lot more than maybe when I was younger, it was more about the what, what can I accomplish? And as I've gotten older, it's more about the who can I influence? Who can I make a difference? in their life. You know, it's more, much more about that. And, and that's what faith will do <laughs> for you. So you started your career and I told you, cause you and I never really talked about this, but something else we share in common is that Greg and I started our careers at McDonnell Douglas. You started your career at Boeing. Well, here's the deal. Here's the funny thing about this. You started your career two decades after we did. <laughs> I'm kind of revealing my, my age here. But you started there as a software engineer, I think, on the Apache yes. helicopter, right? Yes. Yeah. I, you know, so fortunate to have started my career at Boeing. There's such amazing people and talent and the products that they make and the missions that they serve. And for me, coming out of college, you mentioned my dad, you know, military, my older sister, my younger brother, also in the military. There's a whole line of military service. And that was something really important to me, but I didn't. I didn't quite connect to, you know, serving. And so I was like, I want to work for a company that gives back, that does the defense side. And so I joined with Boeing on the Apache helicopter program, which serves the U.S. Army and military. I worked in the intelligence community in D.C. for a few years, and I got to do what I call the Boeing tour. And that was the amazing thing about Boeing is the opportunities to do. You know, I felt like I had five or six different careers all within the same company. And I, I moved around the country a lot as well. And I had amazing leaders who supported me on that journey and really helped me grow while I was there. Yes, I couldn't have said it better because you were there for 11 years, but you did have about six different roles while you were there. And you just continued to move up and your, your trajectory of your career just continued to move forward in a positive direction. I know, Kelly, this is funny because even at the time we were there, now I was, I was corporate accounting and internal audit. My husband, Greg, who, you know, we co-founded Technology Partners together, was a software engineer, started as a software engineer. But when he left there, he had, McDonnell Douglas had sent him to Wash U to get an AI degree, an artificial intelligence degree. Now, this is 35 years ago. But at that time, Boeing had, McDonnell Douglas had a very strong relationship with Carnegie Mellon. Even then. Because, yeah. you know, Carnegie Mellon was kind of the research arm. And then you've got the industry and, and Greg's favorite role when he was there was being a liaison between those two entities. And uh, it was just an amazing. So it's funny. I didn't even realize that was another connection we had. So I love, love Boeing. I had it. You're absolutely right. Carnegie Mellon was like an extension arm and Boeing supported me. And I was the lead for Boeing technology. 
for the relationship with Carnegie Mellon um, at the latter part of my career. And I used to go back every fall and guest lecture um, in my undergrad class with Professor Hyman. And yeah, it was an amazing relationship and just another way to pay it back kind of for how much that university and those professors invested in me. So that, that's awesome. Yeah, another connection point there. Well, let me ask you this, because like I said, you continued, you just, at one time you were the chief of staff to the CIO. I mean, you just continued to just go. Your trajectory was just, you know, a hockey stick. Your philosophy is you were continuing to advance. Kelly, can you talk a little bit about that? Did you like raise your hand for these opportunities? Did you get tapped on the shoulder? Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of each. Um, so my personality is I really want to find that next big hill to climb, that next big problem to solve. And so, you know, I get put on a really tough problem. And after kind of solving it and adding value, after a while, you, you kind of start to plateau a little bit in the learning. And so I knew that was the time when I just have conversations with my leader and say, hey, I think I'm ready for something next. What are the key skills that I need for these roles? What are you thinking? And at Boeing and at other companies I've worked with, I, you know, I've always felt very supported by, by my leaders and, and by the, the top kind of leader in technology to say, okay, Kelly, like we think this could be next. And I made sure those next positions, you know, somebody told me once, a lot of times when you apply for a role, especially women, we feel like we have to be 100% ready and we don't apply because we're not 100% ready, right? Or we say, well, I don't have this, this, or this. And so therefore, like I can never go for that role. And so somebody flipped that equation on me and said, you know what, Kelly, for, for you and just your, your learning agility and your, your passion for learning, you maybe need to be 60 to 70% ready for the role and have critical skills you need in the role, but the rest of it, you're going to learn. And so when you get into that role, just make sure you have a learning plan to get up that learning curve really fast. And so I was like, that's it. I just need a plan to go. It was another problem to go solve, right? How quickly can I learn when I came to Yum, the QSR industry? How quickly can I learn whatever gaps that I have on my own or who can actually I leverage to teach me and get up those learning curves? That was a really pivotal moment for me where I went from thinking, you know, that imposter syndrome again of like, I'm not ready or I don't have this to yeah, I've got all these foundational things and now I just need to go build this. And I, I'm going to put together a plan and say, this is how I'm going to go learn it. And then ask my, my new leader, like, what else can I do to learn and get up quickly? That is fantastic. I I've really, I mean, not, I have not heard it put that way before, but you have to have a learning plan. And you had already proven, Kelly, that you had a passion for learning. You don't go to Carnegie Mellon and not have a passion for learning. You had that learning agility, but but really just having that plan and understanding where your gaps were. You know, and I was going to ask you, you know, what qualities do you believe helped you <laughs> in that uh, career trajectory? And I definitely think that's it. You know, a passion for learning. I think, you know, I put down curiosity. You had a curiosity. You just continued to have a thirst to learn more and to climb that next hill and, and obviously belief in yourself and lots of courage. I mean, there's a lot of things there, but you know what? We have got so much more to talk about, but we do need to take a quick break and we will be right back with Kelly Dowdy on the Something Extra podcast. 
Hey there. In a challenging business climate like this, savvy leaders look to technology to find an edge. This can mean the difference between staying ahead of the curve or playing catch-up. It's time to collaborate with the highly skilled experts at Technology Partners. Our team of technologists draws upon decades of experience for your project, with each bringing a passion for solving problems and a track record of success. How can we help you overcome your biggest technology challenges? Visit technologypartners.net to book a free consultation with one of our leaders. Welcome back to the Something Extra podcast with Kelly Dowdy. So Kelly, what an amazing career at Boeing. You were there for 11 years. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that you would just continue to move up through the organization, but you left there at the end of 2016 and went to Express Scripts, which is another iconic Fortune 50 company. I think now with Cigna, I think they're yes. maybe the Fortune 20. Possibly. Yeah, they're, I, yeah, definitely Fortune 20 at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. So what took you there and, you know, what were you doing there? Oh, I tell you what, that was probably the one of the hardest career decisions I ever had, just because Boeing did so right by me and I had so many opportunities and the leadership there supported me. And But it goes back to, you know, that learning curve, that hill to climb. You know, at Boeing, I felt like I did defense, I did intelligence, I even worked some time on the commercial side, right? I worked strategy, I worked operations, I, I got to do so many roles. I was ready for what's that next learning opportunity? And so it was, well, maybe a switch in industry was a great way for me to continue to develop and learn. And so an opportunity came up with Express Scripts. And, you know, I, at that point, I never heard of Express Scripts. Um, but then when I talked to, you know, my parents and some people that I knew and I learned more, I'm like, wow, this is a really great company. It's the largest home delivery pharmacy in the United States. It's from the largest kind of pharmacy benefit managers in the U.S. And at that point in time, they were going through a tech transformation led by kind of Neil Sample and Tim Wentworth, the CEO at the time. And it seemed like, yeah, this is where I can really roll up my sleeves and make a huge impact and, and really support better healthcare, better healthcare and pharmacy management for a very large population and you know, even personal connections with my own family who who leverage kind of express group. So it felt like the right move. And I was 60 to 70 percent ready. I'd done tech. I'd done digital before. It was the industry was, was the big learning new, curve. Yes, it was a new industry. So there was your big learning curve. But, you know, isn't it interesting, though, Kelly? And I mean, you do have that anytime you switch a position into a new industry. But it's so interesting, isn't it, like in tech, how things build on each other? Because I am sure that there were things that you had learned in your career at Boeing that you just carried right in to that oh, leadership absolutely. role at Express Scripts. Yeah, how to build tech, how to you know operate 24 by seven operations, how to all those sorts of things, kind of building software. Like those are all things that you know, I took from Boeing and took over. How to lead large organizations. I think my last organization at Boeing was 350 people across multiple countries. And so that size and scale of Boeing and um, Express Scripts is going through that journey from expanding that out and moving to, you know, a tech product model. And those were all things I could carry forward. Yeah. So interesting. Well, I remember, you know, this is a side note, but I remember when Express Scripts started and they were hiring a lot of people from McDonnell Douglas. <laughs> Yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of their initial team came from McDonnell Douglas, but just 
an, another example of excellence. You know, they wanted excellence in what they did. They had to, right? They're talking about people's lives. People's or lives, stake, people's right? Care, right? And for it's sure. that perfect tie of passion for helping people and leveraging tech to go do that. And I thought Express Scripts was a great company that, that resembled that. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Then you moved on in 2020, you got recruited away, which I'm very sad that we had you recruited away from St. Louis, but you did get recruited away to Yum Brands, which is in Dallas or, or Plano, suburb of, of Plano. For those listeners who don't know Yum Brands, they may not be familiar with Yum, but I guarantee you they're familiar with some of the brands. What are some of those brands, Kelly? Yeah, so Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, KFC, and then they recently purchased Habit Burger Grill. So four iconic brands really that are on a global scale. That was that was one of the most surprising things to me when I came into the company. It's, you know, Young Brands operates in 150 plus countries across the world with 54,000 plus restaurants. So just the size and scale and um, just amazing thing that the company is doing was really exciting for me. And once again, a great learning opportunity. I'd never really worked on digital products at that size and scale. Yeah, you have definitely had diversity in your industry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Could, not, could not be more different, right, than, yes. than working at Boeing. But you got recruited as the VP of Global Digital Commerce. So break that down for us, for those people that are listening that are not techies. What does that mean in layman's terms? Yeah, so I help run, we call it our easy experiences, digital assets for the company. So consumer facing, ordering channels, essentially, um, and running those through on a global scale. Very good. Well, how, you know, how is it both different and then on the converse side of that, similar, similar to what you had done before. Yeah, I think the similar part is just how you build tech, how you build. The key thing is culture. I think in tech culture and going back to what you said, it's, it's about the people, right? It's about how do you make sure you create the right culture and environment for technologists and for business to thrive together. That I saw as a huge focus and investment at Yum. And, you know, when I came to Yum, the first thing I knew is, okay, it's, it's four iconic brands. But for me, there was the, okay, what's the personal tie? What's the passion? And what I found at Yum is they've got a recipe for growth, which is, you know, sales, that new units, but as equally important is the recipe for good. And the recipe for good is all about investing in the communities in which we live and serve, investing in you know, when I joined, it was that there was no women in tech ERG group. And so Smot, myself and a couple others founded the group and we had overwhelming support from the C-suite leadership, from the whole CEO, from James Fripp, the chief diversity. Everybody was like, yes. And how can we help you? And what more can we do? Because they recognized the investment in some of these kind of underserved populations within the company. And then also part of what we do is outside the company, investing in the women in STEM or the, the girls in STEM, the girls who code program and stuff like that. That was just, it was amazing to me to see how important that was to the company. And it's just as equally important in their focus on people and culture. And that was amazing. Yeah, well, and you just fit in so well there, <laughs> Kelly, you do, because that's your MO. It really is. Yes. 
I mean, you've been described as a high-energy, charismatic leader who engages the hearts and minds of your team, building trust relationships. And we just talked about this between the technology department and the business. And those companies who do that well, I believe, are the companies that are thriving. And that, you know, that's your heartbeat, I know. But how, how important is it do you believe to engage not only the person's mind and their hands, the work of their hands, but their hearts? It's foundational. You know, I've I've heard this slogan though, we're a people first company. I think companies say that, but the best leaders figure out how to connect that heart. And for me, my secret recipe is really two things. It breaks down in every offsite. um, I have my leaders rank, how did we do on these two things? I think it's a combination of value and fun. And from a value, it's making sure that everybody understands how they are adding value, right? Why does their work matter? How does it connect to the overall mission? Those things are so powerful because there's very few people that want to come to work and just, you know, write a write a line of code. But when they know that line of code is going to affect the lives positively of people or operators in the restaurant or whatever it is, and they see that come to life, it means so much more, right? I think the flip side of that coin on value is ensuring that they're getting value too. So people like myself, we want to learn, we want to grow, right? How are they, how are you making sure that they have the work in order to do that? And um, you're, you're stretching people appropriately and giving them those opportunities to grow. And so I think that's the first part of how do you connect the hearts and minds to the mission. I think the second part, and you know, I'll steal a, a quote from the late Randy Posh, who was a, a professor at Carnegie Mellon. If um, you haven't watched, he had a, a last lecture at CMU before he passed away. And one of the key things that he says is never, ever underestimate the importance of having fun. And I saw that in my parents and everything they love, that's been a core component in my leadership. Whether it's, I start every town hall with a trivia, right? Like who, like random facts about the company or about the industry or whatever it is. You know, we had a team building offsite and, you know, the goal was to understand the QSR industry. And so we broke everybody up into teams and they went out and did a scavenger hunt, like really incorporating fun and not forgetting your childhood, you know, and bringing that in and making sure that's a core tenant of the culture that you're building um, is a differentiator. Those are the memories that you create and the stickiness you create for the culture. Isn't that true? I mean, those, yes. I mean, and we spend so much time at work. You know, I have a friend, John O'Leary. He's, he is a motivational speaker. I don't know, Kelly, if you've ever had the opportunity to, to hear John, but he, is a book called On Fire, but his newest book is In Awe. And he talks about that. He's, he said, you know, as we get older, a lot of times we, we lose the awe and the fun of being a child. And, you know, the whole idea is to get back to that because my goodness, we, if you're not having fun in life, <laughs> what, yeah. what are you doing? You know, <laughs> you're not, you're not in the right place. You know, if you're, if you're not having fun and, and connecting to that higher why, if you can't see the bigger why and the purpose behind what it is you're doing every day, maybe it's time to look at something else, really. Yeah, but absolutely. Let's talk about women in tech. 
So yeah. I know, and we've already talked about that, but I know you're so passionate about this. You volunteered for Girls Who Code. You, as you just said, you co-founded the BRG, the Women in Tech BRG for Young. What do you think, Kelly, how can we inspire more young girls to be thinking about a career in tech? What can we do? I think it's, it starts in, in childhood, right? Just letting them know what the opportunities even are. And I think Girls Who Code is a great program who exposes you know, high school girls to the variety of different potential career paths and what this could look like and really invest in them. And I think, I think that's really important. For me, like what I love that my parents did is I, they kind of let me try everything, right? I even took, I remember art classes at a community college and I realized this is not my passion and I'm not very good at it, right? Um, but they let me try it, right? And so I think exposing, you know, whether it's your, your, your daughters or, you know, if you're, if you're a leader at a company, just somebody who might be doing, you know, accounting and like, let them have a little shadow you at your role as a technologist or figure out what a good six month rotation might look like so they can dip their feet in and see what they want. It's, it's amazing the number of people that I've found that have crossed over into a technology career path in their career. And it was all because they had a sponsor, someone to support them through that journey and open that door for them. And so I think the more that we can do that and the more as leaders, we can be the ones to start these conversations because so many times and I know for me, if I didn't have a leader that said, hey, Kelly, you should think about this, or I'll never forget the conversation I had with my amazing leader at Boeing, Ted Colbert, who, you know, there was a rotational opportunity outside of technology. It was like a 12 month thing. He's like, Kelly, you should go do this. And I'm like, I don't know anything about commercial airlines. Like what's an empennage? What is this? And I was scared to death. I was scared to fail. And he said, Kelly, you can do it. And I got you and I believe in you. And that was just so impactful for me. And the amount I learned in that 12 month rotation, the amount I grew and the amount I just loved every moment of it. It was scary at first. I think the first 30 days I was scared to death, but just knowing that, you know, I have leaders at the top levels really investing in me and supporting me. And, and that's something that I want to continue to pay back. And that's just a core thing that I think if all leaders just take that look and they're the ones that open these doors and have these conversations, so many more women can, can have fruitful kind of careers in, in STEM or in technology. Yes, I love it. Well, Ted Colbert, <laughs> you talk about one of the greats, right, yes. Kelly? That's awesome that you that that he spoke that into you. So I've got one more question, but before we talk about something extra, Kelly, I mean, you are you've got this really big job, you know, you're vice president of this, you know, amazing company. I know you got two little boys, eight and six. <laughs> uh, one of them may have had a birthday since I talked to you later. Or, or last, you know, they're already playing multiple sports. You've got an amazing husband. You're doing, you know, things within your neighborhood for the women in your neighborhood. You're spinning a lot of plates. I, I just want to know what are some of your life hacks? How do you, Kelly Dowdy, stay centered in the middle of what sometimes can feel like a lot of chaos? Yeah. I think first and foremost, it's it's my faith. Like God is first, he's number one, and making sure that that's always a priority. And I'm 
reading my Bible and listening to my, you know, spiritual song to, to fill me with that, that, that calmness and that peace that I get through that. I think that's foundational, right? And then I think on top of that, it's the, I've, I've learned that I was not always good at this. I tried to be everything to everyone all the time. And so there's two things that kind of I look at now. One is I pick my moments, right? So there's specific moments that I don't want to miss that are really critical to me. So my oldest son's first day of kindergarten, right? I remember distinctly, I was I was asked by um, a leader at Express Scripts to fly to St. Louis that day. I was living in Austin at the time for, on that day. And I was like, all right, Kelly, this is the moment. Do I fly because that's what I've always done? Or do I ask for permission to do this virtually? And this is before COVID when like you used to fly all the time because it's a moment that I don't want to miss. And I had that conversation with the CIO there and he was overly supportive. Like, Kelly, thank you so much for telling me. Absolutely. Please stay. And like, that's a important moment. I don't want you to miss that either. We can work around this and we'll just, you know, dial you in. And I've, I've learned there's a lot of power in just speaking. You know, these are really important moments for me. Last weekend, so my dad has been a season ticket, Steeler season ticket holder for 50 years. And for him, you know, going with his grandchildren to a Steelers game, my my six-year-old Logan, I flew in on a Friday night and we flew back on a Sunday morning, but we went to that Steelers game with grandpa and it was a moment we weren't gonna miss. Right. And so I think I think that's a really critical thing that I've learned is I've got to pick those moments and then protect them with everything that I've got to make sure that we don't miss them. That's beautiful. You're building boundaries and you're like you said, building those guardrails around those moments and saying, these are the things that I, you know, really don't want to compromise on, you know, but, but having that time with yourself to figure out what those are. So I love that. Well, tell me, Kelly, what do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs? I think we talked about it earlier, but it's connecting the hearts, right? And the minds to the bigger picture and the two ways to do that is focus on value and fun. Never, ever underestimate the importance of having fun. Like I say that over my, my, I, the memories I have with the teams and the incredible things that we were able to do, but because we build a culture around fun and value and focusing on those things, it's just, it unlocks so much more than I, than I ever anticipated. So. Very good. Well, what about, is there anything coming up? that you're excited about? And if so, how can our listeners get involved? So a couple of things. I'm really excited since COVID has hit, I have not gone back to Carnegie Mellon to do guest lecturing or to invest back in that pipeline and community. So this fall, I'm, I'm going back to campus. I'm doing a little bit there and I'm really, really, really excited about that. Um, and then the other thing that we're trying to do locally that we're starting is um, really investing in some of the high schools in the area for women and girls, girls looking into STEM fields and taking some of our amazing tech talent at YAM and, and bringing that into the community. And so if, you know, if you're in the Plano area, reach out to me, you know, we're, we've got a couple of high schools that we're, we're kind of working with right now. If you're in Louisville, we also got some there too. So, um, and if you're not in those locations, if you're in tech, this is definitely a mission field, so to speak, for investing in early pipeline because that's that's where i it got me that's where i got the bug and 
I'm so thankful that I was exposed to that. Otherwise, who knows where I'd be today. And it's been an amazing career. It's been a fun career. It's been an amazing career. It's been rewarding. And guess what, Kelly? It's not going away. Yes. <laughs> Tech is yes. not going away. Not if, going away. If anything is just going to continue to grow. So it's a great field for anyone to pursue. Kelly. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun for me. I appreciate, I know how busy you are. So thank you for making the time to be on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc. 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.